Bible Treasures Topic 18 Sorrow Welcome to the Sound Doctrine Telecast. Praise God for all the corrective teaching we receive through this series of talks. The purpose of this telecast is twofold. To help you escape the floods of false doctrine, that is number one. And number two, to enable you to embrace the sound doctrine of God's word. And if you have followed these talks very closely, you would have found there is rather a negative approach to each of these subjects. How not to pray? How not to meditate? How not to give? And so on and so forth. You might have wondered why this negative approach. We have again and again told you, beloved, unlearning is actually a prerequisite for proper learning. In other words, we need to leave the ways of the world and come back to the ways of God as revealed in the Bible. Our topic, as usual, is how not to sorrow. How not to sorrow. Let's begin with the words of the wisest man who ever lived. It's none other than King Solomon. Turn with us to book of Ecclesiastes and second chapter. Read to you verses 22 and 23. What has man for all his labor and for the striving of his heart with which he has toiled under the sun? All his days are sorrowful, and his work is grievous. Even in the night, his heart takes no rest. Days are sorrowful, work is grievous, nights are restless. That's the lot of every man under the sun. Beloved, there is no one in the world without sorrow. Whether young or old, whether rich or poor, whether learned or illiterate, whether religious or irreligious, whether civilized or primitive, sorrow is the lot of every man and every woman in this world. The main problem is not sorrow itself. It is our wrong handling of sorrow that is the real problem. That's why our topic is how not to sorrow. As usual, we'll study 10 lessons. How not to sorrow. Lesson number one. Do not dream of happy times always. Do not dream of happy times always. This lesson may look very simple, but this is where most of us stumble. We are terribly shocked and surprised when calamities strike us. Sorrow, beloved, in our life may be due to various reasons. It may be due to sickness. Or it may be due to death. Or it may be due to, as it is very common, financial crisis. 
or it may be due to a loss or it may be due to social conflicts or it may be due to an injustice that is meted out to us or it may be due to various types of failures in our lives and there are work spot clashes and there are family problems which are simply too common and there is a botheration about that uncertain future and for those who are in the ministry ministerial conflicts and confusions like that the sorrow can be due to umpteen number of reasons but it is important that we are grounded in the biblical truth about such undesirable happenings in our lives let's again refer to book of ecclesiastes i want to read a long passage to you it is a very important passage third chapter read from verse 1 to 8 follow it very closely everything there is a season a time for every purpose under heaven a time to be born and a time to die time to plant and a time to pluck out what is planted time to kill and a time to heal a time to break down and a time to build up time to weep and a time to laugh time to mourn and a time to dance time to cast away stones and a time to gather those stones a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing time to gain and a time to lose a time to keep and a time to throw away a time to tear and a time to sow time to keep silence and a time to speak time to love and a time to hate time of war and a time of peace whenever this is how things are alternating in our life you know what is the conclusion of this passage that is there in the 11th verse god has made everything beautiful in its time only when some good things happen we take this text isn't it that god has made everything beautiful in its time but according to this passage for god whether it is a time to be born or a time to die he arranges it in such a way that the wholesome picture is beautiful whether it appears beautiful to us or not in the sight and the eyes of god all things are beautiful and he has called us to rejoice and enjoy life look at verses 12 and 13 there is nothing better for them than to rejoice and to do good in their lives and also that every man should eat and drink and enjoy the good of all his labor it is the gift of god beloved i would like to say something that might surprise you it is not our problem that primarily worries us but what people will think about our suffering and sorrow that's what we are very much worried about 
we forget that every man, whether it is I or another person who laughs at my calamity, every man is born for trouble. That's what we read in book of Job, 14th chapter. Look at the first words. Man who is born of woman is of few days and full of trouble. This was the observation of Moses also. Turn with us for a sample passage in book of Psalms, 90th chapter. You know how Moses is introduced here? Before the psalm begins, there is an introductory line. It says, a prayer of Moses, the man of God. What does this man of God say? Look at the tenth verse. The days of our lives are seventy years, and if by reason of strength they are eighty years, yet their boast is only labor and sorrow. Who said that? Moses said that. What was Moses? He was the man of God. By saying this, do we say that he was not a man of faith? Was he not an unparalleled prophet? He walked with God. That's why he is called the man of God. So his observation is right. And you know how Moses balances it? The 15th words. Make us glad according to the days in which you have afflicted us and the years in which we have seen evil. You know how he is balancing it? On one side he says full of sorrow. The other place he prays Lord according to the years of our sorrow please give us years of gladness. Now the early saints of God were known for this balancing act. Turn with us for an example in the book of Lamentations. Look at the third chapter and we'll read to you the 38th words. Is it not from the mouth of the Most High that woe and well-being proceed? You know, both well-being and woe, good and bad that appears to us, that proceed from the mouth of God. Now that is what is also said again in book of Ecclesiastes, the seventh chapter. And we will read to you the 14th verse. In the day of prosperity be joyful, but in the day of adversity consider. Surely God has appointed the one as well as the other, so that man can find nothing that will happen after him. Both good and bad together, you know, that's how God balances it. Perhaps if we want to bring a life example of someone who perfectly understood this balancing principle, that was uh, Job. Turn with us to the book of Job and look at the first chapter. And we all know his story too well. In verses 14 and 15 we read how all his cattle were taken away. Immediately after that, in the same 15th verse, we read that all his servants were killed. 
And in the 16th verse we read that his sheep and his servants were burnt alive. And 18th and 19th verses were still terrible. House collapsed where his sons and daughters they perished. Second chapter 7th verse. Suddenly realized his entire body was struck with boils. Looking at that there were two kinds of responses. One was from his wife, the other was by himself. What did his wife say? The ninth verse of the second chapter. Then his wife said to him, Do you still hold to your integrity, curse God and die? But what did he say? With the tenth verse. But he said to her, You speak as one of the foolish women speak. Shall we indeed accept good from God and shall we not accept adversity? In other words, what is right theology? God gives us good things and sometimes seemingly bad things. But we have accepted as from the hand of God. What did that woman say? If you don't get good but you get bad, immediately curse God. What did Job say about that? That is a foolish talk. And we want to tell you, beloved, that foolish theology is the most popular doctrine in Christianity today. Then immediately there may come a question. Has not Christ delivered us and redeemed us from all the curses? He has not redeemed us from all the curses, but he has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Turn with us to the book of Galatians, third chapter. Look at the thirteenth words. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. From the curse of the law he has delivered us. What is the blessing he has guaranteed to us? That's there in the 14th verse. That is the blessing of Abraham. What is that blessing of Abraham? Salvation for even Gentiles who believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. If you look at the 14th verse. It says promise of the Spirit. In other words, beloved, curse of the law, we are totally redeemed. But we are not been delivered from the curse of the fall. What was the curse that God pronounced on the woman? There will be terrible pain at your childbirth. And what was the curse God pronounced on man? You shall all your life toil with sorrow. Is it removed? There is still pain in childbirth. There is still sorrow when you go tilling the earth. So all those uh, sorrows are still there. When will they be removed? They will be removed only when the new heaven and the new earth come. That's what is promised to us in book of Revelation 21st chapter. We read in the second verse, New Jerusalem coming from God. And what do we see promised in verse 4? God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. 
After that, there shall be no more death. There shall be no more sorrow. There shall be no more crying. There shall be no more pain. Until then, all these things would be there. Until then, we all will be groaning in this body. Romans 8th chapter. Look at verses 22 and 23. We know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs together until now. You may think, oh, then believers are exempted. It is not so. Look at verse 23. Not only they, but we also, who have received the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves are groaning within ourselves. You know that word is so strong, we are groaning within us. In other words, sorrow and problems are not necessarily because we go away from God. Even when we are in God's ways and God's will, we will have to experience sorrow and suffering. Who sent Joseph into Egypt? God sent Joseph to Egypt. But what happened? He had pain and accusation and suffering and fetters. Beloved, God has not promised a smooth passage in our lives. If you turn with us to a classic passage in book of Isaiah 43rd chapter, look at the second verse. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you, and through the rivers, they shall not overflow you, and when you walk through the fire, you shall not be burnt, nor shall the flames scorch you. There will be sea waters, and there shall be rivers, and there shall be fiery fire. What is the greater news? I will be with you. That's the statement John Wesley made. Greatest of all is God is with us. How not to sorrow? Do not dream of happy times always. God bless you.